and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. I'm your host, Joe Coldbella. There's an old school song by the Swedish singing group ABBA, Money, Money, Money. In the next five years, the Broadband Equity Access and Development Program, known to everyone as BEAD, is going to bring a lot of money into the space, $42 billion, not to mention other programs, private equity. Fortunately, we can't go down to the local ATM, grab the cash. There's a process. Part of that process is a grant process, and that leads us to our guest. Joining me is the president of MKY Ventures, Kimberly Young. Kim, welcome to the Broadband Bunch. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, it's uh, great to have you. Um, you know, it's one of those things where um, there's just so much money entering the space. thought it would be a really interesting conversation to, to bring someone in, one who does actual grant writing. But before we sort of dive into that, I would love it if you could share with our audience um, your sort of broadband journey. It's one of those things where I always find it interesting that um, people find fun ways to get in there. So if you could sh- sort of share that and um, uh, the story behind MKY Ventures, that would be awesome. Okay, that'd be great. Um, well, I started probably about 14, 15 years ago, and I've I've been around broadband, um, around the the internets, the being built, the the cell phones, so on and so forth, um, because I married into it. This is what my <laughs> husband does on a regular ba- on a regular basis. So I had a lot of you know pillow osmosis that helped me um, know a lot about broadband. And when probably about 15 years ago, NTIA and Russ um, put out $7.2 billion uh, of grants that ISP could use um, to apply for and use to build out, you know, if they needed equipment, if they needed sites, um, you know, building locations, towers, so on and so forth. It was a really broad uh, grant process. And, and so my husband had several clients and they decided to offer grant services to their clients. And Brian was like, well, now we got to get somebody to write these grants. And he goes, Kim's not doing anything. Let's have her do it. So that was my first access into grant writing, um, which was a big one, um, NTIA and Russ. And so I spoke with each of the each of the clients that requested the grant services. We did everything for them. We ended up writing 22 grants. Uh, we won six of the 22. Uh, and it was a little over $400 million that we won. Um, so for my first for my first endeavor into the into the grant world, I was very pleased um, with what it came out to be. Um, after that, after that, um, my my real job was healthcare administration, and uh, like I said, I'd taken some time off and wrote these grants for for Brian's company, and then I went back to my healthcare services. And, you know, I did that. And then I wrote grants on a case by case basis during that 15 year period. Seems as though you're sort of like, um, you know, one of the Corleones, you think you're out and then obviously the $42 billion and they pull you back in. Exactly. It, it pulls you back in. I was a little dissatisfied with healthcare. 
um, which I think everybody is these days. Um, and, and I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. So uh, Brian and I talked about it and I created MKY Ventures and decided that I would write grants full time, uh, especially with the bead money coming out. There's a lot of money that's to be um, to be gotten by the ISPs and also helping the communities. I mean, we all learned a big lesson during the pandemic of how many people did not have Internet and how necessary it was in our daily lives and for for our children. So I got back into it about two and a half years ago and we're we're doing well now. We're we're established and you know, I have clients coming in on a on a regular basis. So it's it's a great business and and I'm very happy doing it. That's awesome. So essentially what you do is you you help people uh get money, correct? So you must be really popular right now. Um yeah, I'm pretty popular. Um I I don't um, have a huge presence, but I do, like for the past couple of years, I've spoken for WISPA or been a, a speaker or presenter at WISPA um, for Mr. America and WISPA Palooza. And so I, I've made a lot of people that way through the contacts and then, you know, word of mouth. And uh, I just recently did a webinar for Sonar for their clients. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 getting I'm gaining in popularity. <laughs> Love it. Hey, um, so just curious in terms of the NTIA and the bead funding. So in terms of how it rolls out, right? It's federal funding that goes to the state broadband offices, and then um, ultimately solving local problems. And I was just curious in terms of just getting your take on in terms of how the flow of money um, is that you know, what's your take in terms of, is that sort of the right way we should be going? Or is it one of those things where it's a different case for, for, um, for different grants? You know, I, I like it going to the States because the States know more than the federal government about what they need in their state, who needs to be covered and what needs to be done. Um, a lot of States are doing uh, tours, doing talking tours, to the different areas and counties within their within their state um, to let them know this is coming and this is gonna you know and to be aware this is what we want to do to gain that popularity and support um, that needs to be that you need to have in order to even apply for these grants. Um, so I, I think that's a I think that's a lot better than the federal government just going out there and saying, hey, we got these. Um, local communities, it's, it's mainly for the smaller communities. I think we need to target the large communities. I mean, you talk about your major cities, they have Internet and it's, you know, the big guys are out there, AT&T, um, T-Mobile, you know, and all those guys are out there and they're doing it. Um, but they don't necessarily do it in a timely manner. And that's the, the, the smaller cities and towns and counties can't wait for them to get around to it. So this opens up a door for a lot of smaller uh, ISPs to come in and to fill that gap. Awesome. Awesome. So, Kim, I started my career as a copywriter in advertising, and I sort of live by the... Um, the idea of a Shakespearean phrase, you know, brevity is the soul of wit. 
but that doesn't seem to be the case with grant writing. Um, can you provide sort of an overview in terms of the grant writing process and exactly how it goes down in terms of, of, of how it all works? Sure. Um, one of the one of the first things that I do with, with my clients is, you know, find out what 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 states do they operate in. Um, but you know, above that, I usually I'm on every web, I'm just about every state in the North America. I am on their website. Um, I'm I'm signed up for their newsletter, so if any new grants come out, I'm notified ahead of time. Um, and within that, then I'll look toward the counties because sometimes counties will do their own grants. Sometimes okay. towns do their own grants, um, which are more difficult. And I'll get into that just a few more minutes. But um, we look at it that way. Of course, I'm always looking at the federal uh, get grants, looking at the NTIA, looking at uh, the USDA. Um, there's other grants that are out there by different departments. You know, the Treasury Department might put one out. So, uh, you know, I look at all the federal departments and see what grants are out there. Um, because some of them aren't straightforward, saying this is for broadband. You know, this could be uh, broadband for a housing development. It could be, you know, so that could be done by HUD. So there's a different... There's different ways to look at it, and I take that information, and I, depending on what the client's goal is or what they want or where they want to be, I will present those grants to them that are best suited for them. Um, and then also, they also come to me and say, hey, we got this grant. We really want to be a part of it. Um, we've already talked to the community, the town, the city. Um, they're on board, uh, which is which is the second part, you know, once you decide on which grant you want, um, you need to have that city, town, county on board with you and support you because you really want a partner. You know, that's one of the things that we talk about um, in grant writing um, and what's important with the BEAD program is having a partnership. And the ISP needs to have a partnership with the town, uh, county or city, uh, because they can, uh, and they need to have matching funds to go along with that. And, you know, if you talk about a $5 million grant, that you're writing a $5 million grant, and they need to present 3% matching for that $5 million, I mean, you're talking a lot of money. And, you know, the towns or cities need to have, you know, some of their ARPA money is still sitting out there. There's other money. Um most of them are starting to budget for broadband now. I know the state of Wisconsin, um, they actually put it in their budget this last year and had a grant using that money. So um, about a, this, a lot of the states are now uh, budgeting for broadband to go along with the money that is uh, being presented by the NTIA and, and USDA. So that's... Uh, that's something you really need to, to look into. Um, then, so, so, so that, so that kind of raises the question to me. Um, so when, when a community and, and an ISP sort of get together, um, do you think that they should sort of form the partnership first and develop a plan or should they reach out to you? Or is it one of those things where it's a sort of um, depends on the situation? 
No, absolutely. I think the ISPs should be reaching out to those communities that they want to be in, uh, whether they want to expand or they have a personal interest in that community because someone might live there. Um, and they, you need that support of all the different departments within that community because you're going to want utilities because um, when I talk about matching, uh, just to go back for a second, they can they can put all of the the permits and things that you need for pole attachments, all that kind of stuff. Right of ways, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. right of ways. They can put it in to that matching as an in kind, so that they don't have to pay the fees. Does that make sense? That, that so the they're compute they're putting their skin in the game by, hey, we'll waive all the fees. Okay, sure. And the so, permits. So what you're saying is sort of like before you sort of take the endeavor in terms of, of reaching out for the, the grants is sort of like form a little bit of a group, have a champion. And then once you sort of get your direction, that's when you would reach out for the, for the grants. Is that sort of what you're saying that folks should do? Yes. Yes. Because you, you want to know that because you need to know what grant's going to be right for you. Um, there's a lot of a lot of information that goes into that grant. Um, that you need to be prepared for uh, before you even apply for a grant. You need to have certain certifications and numbers. I mean, you need to have your SAMS number. You need to have what um, most of them already have their tax IDs, but you know they might need a a DUNS number, uh, which has basically gone away because we have the SAMS number now. Okay. But but some of the smaller grants still require a DUNS number. And then, so, what, what's, what exactly, I'm sorry, what exactly is that? I'm sorry, a, a Dunn's number, you said? That's uh, basically with the Better Business Bureau. Um, okay. So, uh, and it's real easy to get. Um, you know, I have a website that I direct all my clients to where they can get their SAMS number, their, their Dunn's number, um, and any other numbers that they need. Uh, I have websites to, to direct them to. So get, so, because they need to get those, I can't get those for them. So I'm, let me. I'm not part of the company. Sure. So, so what you're saying is, so once everyone gets their their ducks in a row, is that when they should reach out to you or another grant writer in terms of starting the process, or is it when? I, I, go ahead. Well, I will actually. You know, once they once they formed kind of like their little uh, partnership, you know, it it's fair to reach out to me and say, okay, what do we do next? And I will direct them in those pre-application things that they need to do, the list of things that they need to do and have in place before even applying for a grant. And because when you get a grant, when that NOFO comes out, you can have anywhere. I've seen them as, as, as short as four weeks to as long as 90 days. So, you know, if you're, if for some reason that four week or six week grant is the one you want to go for, you don't have time to get these numbers after the fact. So you have you have pre-application things that need to be done ahead of time. You need to have uh, your current network uh, mapped out and in, in a ARGIS um, or some kind of uh, geo mapping needs to be done. So you have that. Then you need to look at the different areas that you're that you would like to be in uh, where you can help. Um, you need to have that kind of mapped out. And then the grants. Uh, depending on the grants will depend on which one, uh, depending on your information and the grants that are out there, you will decide which grant best fits 
your scenario. So um, it's, it's super fascinating in terms of, you know, so I guess it's time, the biggest challenge that these yes. communities face. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because because these grants are, are, are super long, super complicated. And it's one of those things where you hope um, you have everything, but do things pop up and you're like scrambling towards the end for the deadline? Um, there's things that could pop up. Um, normally the, the end of the grant or the, the, when you get toward the end of the grant, um, time to get ready for it to be turned in. The thing that you're mostly waiting for is you still could be waiting for letters of recommendation, letters of support, uh, funding commitments from other entities that are part of the matching program. Um, and that's why when I speak at large gatherings, I preach pre-application, pre-application, pre-application. Because if you know the areas you want to be in, you can go ahead and talk to those different entities for letters of support. You can already talk to, um, you know, the hospitals, the libraries, the school districts to get their support. You, so that because that takes time, even sure. with the community, it takes time because, you know, they do have a, a board or a council meeting that, you know, meets maybe once a month. But you, sometimes you can't wait for that next month. So it's it's good to be out ahead of it before you even know what grant that you want. And and, to, and I can direct that. Um, I have several clients that uh, new clients that have come on board that you know, I'm directing them through those processes right now. And we're keeping an eye on the grants that are going to be coming up in a couple of months that we want to apply for. Okay. So that's awesome. So you've, you've, you've got some folks um, lined up, ready to rock and roll. Um, by chance, do you have any success stories uh, or case studies where communities you've worked with have successfully secured grants? Just any examples? Oh, absolutely. Um, I guess it's been about... About two and a half. Well, I've, I've got a couple. There's one a Conto County that I did for a, an ISP, and it and it was the county that we did the the grant for, and we, and the ISP partnered with them. And what was nice is that the county already had started getting letters of support. So they had already started doing that. So that made that a lot more easy. And they already had some, the county had some money set aside for the matching. And then um, the ISP had some money itself to, to go toward the matching too. So, you know, that worked out great. And then the communities, um, there was actually two townships that were involved uh, in that one gr community grant. And, they were super helpful. They were on board. They knew the ISP. They knew the people. Um, they had a great reputation and they were all for it. And it made the grant process a much easier task uh, because everybody was on board. Um, they knew that there was a grant writer involved. There possibly could be questions that I would reach out to a, a, a single point of contact in that town. Um, and then you just, you, you write the grant and, and when I say you write it, it's, it's just not as easy as writing it. And you've got your mapping, your technical drawings, uh, your network designs, um, and, 
and part of being a grant writer is you're also a project manager. Okay. So you're going to, you're going to pri- you're going to oversee to make sure that those are done in a timely manner. Um, so that, because you're going to have to write, um, about the, those, in, that information, you're going to have to write about the maps. You're going to have to write about the drawings and the technology that is involved. Um, you're going to be working with a CFO or, uh, whoever they, uh, whoever the ISP determines um, that are an accountant that is going to talk about the budget and how we do the budget, you know, because there's certain information they want to see in that budget. And that is dictated by the grant um, of that information. Okay. So it's, it's sort of a, a blueprint. Now, um, once the funds have been um, given to, to the project, can those um, details be altered in any way, or is it one of those things where it's sort of locked in stone? No, it's 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 ever evolving. It's it's kind of ever evolving because you're presenting something, but once you actually, it's kind of like best laid plans. Um, sure, you, you know you're, that's what you're doing. You're saying this is what it's going to be, but you get out on the job site and find out, uh oh. You know, this ends up, this is granite, so I can't bore here. It's going right. to up the cost so much money. Uh, or we choose to do wireless because, you know, it's flat, flat land. I mean, so you can do the wireless without any problem. So there, there is some changes, subtle changes that can be made to it. If there's anything major, you got to go back to the, the grants and, and let them know, hey, um, you know, in this project, we we told you we'd do this, but we've come across, here's the issue, and this is how we'd like to correct it. And more than, and more than, enough, more than not, the, they'll prove it. Um, you know, you're not going to get any more money for the grant. So you need to be able to fund that, either the ISP or the county or the community but you won't receive any more money. So Kim, that raises an interesting question. Obviously the last few years, inflation has been pretty, uh, I don't know, rampant. Yes. And so do, do you suggest folks sort of like not pad, but is there a way that you sort of have computations to sort of figure out that, Hey, listen, you know, we think it's going to cost X, Y, and Z, but we should definitely pad in 5% or 3%. Is that something that, that um, grant writers do? Yeah. Well, the budget guy does. Okay. Um, but yes, we we do suggest that you put a. Uh, I write my grants for worst case scenarios. If you cut under, great, because um, most of the time that that grant money it's on a reimbursement issue, so you're only going to get what you were awarded. But if you come in under that grant money, it's not like you get the extra. Right. <laughs> right. No, no swimming pools. Right. Correct. Awesome. So, so that's, you know, that's the way it is. But, you know, w- before that grants awarded, once you turn it in, you've got your challenges um, where other ISPs can challenge the area to which you say you want to uh, to build in. You've got rebuttals to those challenges. Um, and then then there's the the four to five weeks that the grant committee takes to see who's going to award that grant. Once that award is, um, once you're notified of the award, then the, the grant committee um, will send you all sorts of papers. 
um, for the, you know, for the money, for they might ask for additional financial information. Um, you're going to sign an agreement that you're going to do this project and you're going to have it done within a certain time frame, time frame or there's going to be penalties. Uh, some of them have penalties, some of them don't. Um, so I, I say that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but, um, you know, and, and then you have to uh, submit your receipts there you know there's usually monthly reports or quarterly reports that you've got to provide an update on that project and your spend expenditures and if you turn those expenditures in then the grant committee will fund you will obviously turn that money around usually within 30 days oh that's great and then usually how long do these these the process take is it one of those things where it depends on the project sometimes it could take 90 days, some day it could take a year. Is there, is there, is there usually a time frame, or is it one of those things where it's a, it's a project by project basis? Um, you're, you're, you're talking about the, uh, the actual project itself that you've been granted, correct? Uh, e either way, I think the build out, the build out. Yeah. Okay. The build out, the shortest I've seen is about a year and a half. Um, the longest obviously is um, art off, which is 10 years. So um, it, most of them are anywhere from two to four to five years per project, depending on how big it is. So it's just critically important to get it right when you, you sort of at least get it in the right direction um, when you, when you initially do the grants. Absolutely. So um, you, you gave us some, some great examples of, of how communities can be successful. Are there any uh, common mistakes or, or pitfalls that, that um, folks should, should try to avoid? Is there anything that you could like point at and say, hey, listen, I've gone down this road. You don't want to go down this road. The ISPs that I have worked with have been around and are established. And so they kind of know the pitfalls. And so we've been pretty good at avoiding any major pitfalls. And you know what? It seems like um, the broadband community in general, they, they don't uh, have a problem with sharing their, their stories, so to speak. Right. No, Where they it, don't. Because it's like, they're not competing against one another. So it's like, Hey, listen, I had this problem here. So you get to watch out. And that's one of the, the things that I love about the community is that we're all sort of in this together. We're all going down our different roads, but it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's great that we've got folks to lean on. Right. I, that's one of the things that I, you know, specializing, you know, cause my grant writing, there's grant writers out there, but I specialize in broadband. So I know the players. Um, I know a lot of the broadband community and the thing that surprised me most with getting really into this is that they're willing to help each other, you know, or give suggestions going, look, I've been in this area and, you know, another broadband person will come out and say, you know, I have the scenario. I know you did this over here. What kind of experience did you have? What were some of your pitfalls? Because they're doing an area similar to that. So um, they're, they are willing to help each other and to give advice. Uh, some of them even partner together for a grant. Okay. That's so, great. you know, so that's, you know, it, it's, it's a great community. It's a great community. There's a lot of information out there and a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge. 
hear that, folks? Don't be afraid to reach out to folks in the industry because usually, you know, more often than not, they'll they'll bend over backwards to help you. So it's one of the great things about it. So, um, you know, as we've got $42 billion um, entering the space, you know, there, there's the there's the art off, there's the calf money, there's all this money. Uh, do you see any any trends um, in terms of happening in, in, over the last few years as opposed to when you first um, entered the business? Sure. Um, you know, prior, I, you know, I'm going to say 15 years ago, I mean, it was pretty easy to come up with the information. Um, they weren't as strict with the data um, being as precise um, you know, it, it, there was, it, it was just kind of lax in what they needed. And over the years, they have really realized, wait a minute, we can get more technical data. We can pin this a lot more. Technology has come a long way. So, and, you know, the equipment has gotten better. Our, you know, our geo mapping has gotten better. Um, you know, we used to do static maps. Now we do geo. So it's, it's, um, you know, so those are the type of trends. It's, it's getting easier to do the, to put the grant together because you have the equipment to do it. Um, so I would say that's probably the, the biggest trend is the technology has gotten better and, you know, we have better access. Um, I think they've understood that mapping you know, it's just not the FCC mapping anymore. Now the states have their own mapping. Uh, some of the counties have their own mapping. So, you know, it's it's better information. So we have a lot better information than we used to. Awesome. And then you spoke about technology. I was just wondering if we could sort of just briefly touch on artificial intelligence. It seems to be like on on everybody's lips nowadays. And just curious if there's any potential in terms of leveraging AI um, for grant writing, you know, does it help contribute to the, to the, the quality, the accuracy, or is it one of those things where we're, we're still sort of, um, at the beginning of the stages of that? I don't think we're at the beginning stages. Um, I know open AI, um, you know, went to Congress and, and said, Hey, you need to regulate us. I mean, how many in, people in the industry actually go to the government and say, Hey, you need to regulate me. Uh, because there's there's a lot of pitfalls that can happen with AI and, um, you know, in the information that's out there. One of the problems that we're seeing now is that, you know, college students are using AI to to write their projects or to do their homework. And, you know, that doesn't that doesn't help them. It's kind of like my dad. He he in seventh grade there was a, a class that I could take that was like computers and calculators. And my dad was like, no, you don't need to use that. You don't need to do it. It's too early. And he was right because I am terrible. At, I don't know that I should publicly acknowledge this, but I'm terrible at math. I, I have to have a calculator in order to do math. I can do the formulas. I can do all this. But because of that class, I relied on a calculator. So now I can't do it by hand. So if I don't have a calculator, I can't help you. Yeah, I'm, I'm horrible at math too. So it's I, I so, think that that's a big boat. Yeah, it, it is a big boat. And and you know today, 
you know, kids need to know how to do this by hand. I mean, what if you don't have a calculator? Then right. you need to be able to do those functions and everything by hand. Well, the same thing with AI. Um, you know, I don't think the college students need to be using AI. They need to actually do it themselves so they learn it. Don't rely on the on the computer because guess what? Sometimes the computer is wrong. Very much so, and and I think that ultimately what's going to end up end up happening with 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 Chat GPT, with Bard, and with all these AIs is that I think we have to make sure that everyone understands that these are that these are tools to be used. They're not to replace, but they're to 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 aid. And so it's yes. one of those things where I think ultimately what we need to do is 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 create that balance because it's hopefully what's going to happen is that we're going to use AI for good and not for for a sort of a um a crutch because I think you're a hundred percent right. If you're, if we live in a, if you live in a, uh, a cut and paste world, you're going to lose to the folks that use the tool. But once they, once they use the tool, they look at it, they evaluate it and they bring something to the table, not just um, what the computer gives them. Correct. Uh, this has been an awesome visit. As we wind down, we love to ask, um, you know, our, all our guests, two questions. And the first question, Kim, I'd love to ask you is, is our back to the future question. So I'm going to give you the keys mm. to the DeLorean. You're going to travel back in time and you get the chance to whisper something in your ear when you started this journey, something that you wish you would have known then to sort of make the journey a little bit easier. What's that you would whisper in your ear? Hmm. I would probably tell myself there's more research involved than you think. That's great. No, I love that because it's one of those things where I think that when we when we take on projects, we think that, oh, this is going to be an A, a B, and a C. And then at the end of the day, it turns out that we're we're getting all 26 letters of the alphabet just to get to uh, just to get to Z. So love that. Love that. And yeah. That's true. And, and when I when I talk about having more research, it's that is the, 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 the knowledge that you're holding within yourself when you are actually writing the grants because you're a storyteller and you've got to be able to tell a believable, truth, truthful story. And knowledge, you know, and go back to all the you know, the little, you know, words, the, the buzzwords, you know, knowledge is, is, is powerful. And the more information you have, the better you can construct the story and tell a story to win that grant. Because you're, what you're doing is you're convincing that grant committee that this is the best grant ever. And this is the one you need. This is the one that is going to solve the problem for that area. That's awesome. And um, so for the converse, we like to ask our crystal ball question. So, you know, the next three to five years, you know, where do you see things sort of netting out? Is it is this a super exciting time because we've got so much money entering the space and we've got such an opportunity to really um, solve this digital divide? Do we have enough money? I don't think so. I don't, know, think, I, I don't think there's enough money out there. I think the government, I, I think it's great that the government is on board and they're given these billions of dollars, but I don't think it's going to solve the complete problem. Um, 
but that's 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 my opinion. We're talking about the United States, and we're talking about you know our our uh, our U.S. territories. You know, we're thinking about that. That's a lot, and you know it's expensive. I mean, we you know we already know about Alaska, and you know it's ice. You know, it's it's cold. It's and you know the equipment that you need to use and how you need to build that network and the the distance between between that um, is very expensive, like in the hundreds of thousands. So um, you know, do I think the, that we have enough money? No, I think we get down to the islands and um, to the territories, and we're going to run into different issues. You know, because you know they because of the weather and the conditions that they have, you know, the hurricanes. So, um, and I think there's going to be these small little West Texas towns that nobody know about that knows about it, that are going to be kind of forgotten um, and not included. And, you know, then we're going to have to, to somehow, you know, include them. Um, but I don't think, but far as there being enough money, I don't, I, I don't think it I think it'll cover a great majority of the United States, but I don't think it'll cover all of it. You know, I, I think you raise a great point where the um, the, the United States highway system was started in the mid 50s by um, uh, the Eisenhower administration. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't considered complete in quotes until 1994. So this is just, a, you know, another project that's going to take decades and decades to complete. Mm-hmm. But, um, but Kim, this has been an absolutely phenomenal visit. Um, where can folks go if they want to, you know, reach out to you and, and ask you questions or, or possibly use you as a, as their grant writer? Um, they're more than well, uh, more than welcome. They can email me or call me. Um, my email is K, the initial K young at mkyventures.com. And my phone number is 708-774-7850. Love it. You know, we operate Monday through Friday. So give me a call. I'll be glad to help you. Kim, thank you so much for for sharing your knowledge and um, for just giving us a a little bit of perspective in terms of, of grant running. Thank you so very, very much. You're very welcome, Joe. Thank you for having me. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Broadband Bunch. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. 